Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome to Great Iron Blitz, episode 447 in the house. Oscar Lopez followed alongside the Hall of Famer, and that would be Holly Custis. And in about an hour, we will get the Oracle of Women's Tackle Football. That is Mark Simone, a.k.a. the backseat coach in the house. And then we'll also get Nate Ward in the last couple minutes of the uh, second hour. We're going to be talking everything that's happening in the sport, international recaps from Europe, including uh, Finland, Maple League, Sweden Division I, uh, also Canada, WWCFL. And then we're going to break down uh, week seven of the recap, Washington Prodigy versus Atlanta Phoenix. And today in the Zazzle huddle, we are going to have the talented running back of the Washington Prodigy, that is Jasmine Ballard, in the house to talk everything that's happened in the game this past weekend, preview in the week, uh, week eight matchup, and then uh, looking forward to the nine cup playoffs as we get deep into the WNFC chase for the nine cup. We're also going to be talking week four, in terms of the recap of the games of the week on the FTF for the Women's Football Alliance, that's Pittsburgh versus Boston, and the Women's Sports Network's game of the week, Houston versus Minnesota Vixen. Plus, we're going to preview week five game of the week matchups, also uh, in, in terms of the WFA, and we'll go into week eight in terms of the WNFC. So let's bring in back the Hall of Famer, Holly Custis in the house right here. Oops, I think uh, maybe she hung up on me calling back here. Uh, so we'll have Holly here in a couple minutes, in a, in a minute or two here uh, to call back. Um, but we're going to dive into the international scene in terms of Finland. So let's uh, bring her up here. I think she just dropped off a little bit. Uh, Holly, can you hear me now? Yes. How's it going? Good, Holly. Welcome back. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. I was just watching my Blazers get the third pick in the draft lottery. So stoked about that. Wish it was number one, but I'll pick number three. No, that's a good, that's a good uh, start. All right, Rives. It's a good start. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, they can rebound and be very effective next season. Um, hopefully my Lakers go deep uh, this next round. So tonight uh, I'll be watching after the game, of course, Denver, Los Angeles and, Hopefully they're going to go a little deeper. Um, Holly, we're we're ready for the nine cup, the chase to the nine cup. You uh, you've been there. You were there. You arrived at the nine cup. You know what Texas is all about. Um, so uh, there's a lot of teams here in the chase for the nine cup in terms of the East Coast as well. Washington, Atlanta, um, just you know a bunch of the teams. Mississippi. Uh, you got the whole Central Division. We knew at the beginning of the season. You talked about it. It was going to be a brutal fight, and, and especially for your Houston Mambas to make the playoffs as well. But the, And uh, they've done a pretty good job so far competing, especially against Texas twice in the season. Yeah, you know, it's been an excellent season so far. Um, from a Houston perspective, you know, being a first-year team, it's pretty difficult to play uh, Texas twice in that first season. Um, we also had a tough matchup with Mississippi early and, you know, so there's a lot of early adversity and I feel very, uh, proud of this team for, for sticking through it, um, you know, finishing strong, 
We got a, um, a, an excellent win this last weekend against Tennessee to end up three and three. Hopefully, it's enough to get a, a playoff spot. But I think I think we've made a lot of progress, and I think our team should be very proud about that. Well, we we kicked off the season, Holly, with Coach Soho. Uh, she said, you know, week by week, we'll figure it out, right? She didn't want to, she didn't right. want to, you know, guarantee us a defeat of Texas. Of course, nobody wants to do that. But uh, I think uh, the assessment of Coach Soho in the in the Houston Mamba is a pretty good one, considering you're at 500 and and probably going to make the playoffs. Because uh, if Denver doesn't get the win here, I believe this week against Utah. More likely, they're they get the they get the slot maybe. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things. Soho is a very um, focused person and coach, and so she likes to just like me focus on week by week. Um, so that's not surprising at all. I think that there is definitely a, a good, healthy mix of experience along with some really good young players. I feel like um, if people don't know already, they should be. Um, aware of a couple of rookie young receivers that we have in Coretta Hopkins and uh, Brooklyn Cousins. They are going to be awesome as long as they stay for their sport. And they've stepped up in a huge way for young players. So I'm excited to see their development. Um, You know, the defense has been, you know, pretty strong throughout the whole season. And I think for, for, you know, us collectively, it's been exactly what Soho said, week by week, trying to get better, um, you know, being a first-year team, there's a lot of moving parts when you are a team that's established, you know, like a uh, Denver or Texas or other, these other teams. You know going into the season kind of your identity and your culture and who who are the veterans, who are the leaders. You kind of already have that mostly established. You might have some movement, um, but you kind of know that already. With, with a brand-new team like a Houston or Tennessee you have to build that as you go. And so not only are you having to go through the normal season, you're also trying to build your culture and trying to figure out what's important to you, what's your identity. And, and so I think we've done a really good job of, of, of figuring that out. Yeah, I think so too. I think uh, the division, the, the, the test the test was in, the, in that division, and they can't escape that. Like if you go to the other, the Atlantic right. division, right, the teams are not as stronger. Uh, if you look at Atlanta, for example, not battle tested, and not not a mock on them because that's their schedule and that's what that's what their schedule was. And their teams, you know, the comp- the competitors were not as battle tested. But I think every team in 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 terms of the division, they got to face Texas more than once. I think much improved overall as a squad. Yeah, you know, and there's all that it's iron sharpens iron, and it's very very true. I mean, <clears throat> when I was with Utah last year, we had a lot of very close competitive games and it, it paid off at the playoffs. So sometimes, especially when you're a young, um, newer team, having to face Texas twice, I mean, I don't, like you said, I don't think anybody really picked that to happen, but because it did and you had to face it, you, you learn quickly who you are and because they're kind of the measuring stick at, the, at this moment in time, you kind of can see where where are you, where are they, how do I get to where they're at, and sometimes having those tough matchups uh, in the tough division that we're in, it pays off in the long run. Um, so like you said, you can't really control who's in your division or who you play. you got to do the best of what you're given. Uh, but in some ways, I think having a tough schedule does pay off, especially when it comes to playoff time. 
Now, uh, the interview we're talking about is episode 436, kicked up our season. That was Grace Cooper and Coach Soho that we talked to at the beginning. Also, uh, 438, Alani Kamal, Lo- uh, Lois Cook, and uh, Amber Marcucci as well. So you can check out all our uh, previous episodes, for over 400, uh, with the Hall of Famer included as well, and uh, a couple seasons ago. Uh, so we're, you know, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on your favorite platform, preferably Sprecher and Apple. Those are the top two. So if you want to penetrate and bring attention to women's tackle football, that's what it is, and that's what we would love. So if you can leave us a five-star review, if you like uh, Holly Custis's insights and comments weekly, there you go. So, Holly, um, we're going to bring in Jasmine Ballard here in a couple minutes. Um, she's had a great season. Last year, Washington just, you know, got basically not allowed to get into the playoffs. Uh, I think they're hungry for this season. They should finish strong here against Tennessee. Uh, I think this Atlanta loss, I didn't anticipate it was going to be that that uh, wide, but I thought for sure it would be closer. But, uh, you know, dust it off and move on to Tennessee and then start to refocus uh, whether you're going to make the playoffs and who you're going to face. Yeah, definitely. You know, so – I feel like this last game with Atlanta and Washington, Atlanta needed to bounce back and kind of prove a point because of their uh, heartbreaking loss against Mississippi the previous week. So it was really important, I think, for Atlanta to give back in the win column. So I wasn't surprised um, at their win. But like you, I thought it would be a pretty close game. Um, I think for Washington – going into this coming week against Tennessee, just like Atlanta needed to bounce back, Washington will probably use this weekend uh, as a bounce back point and a confidence builder going into the playoffs. And and just like we were talking about before, like these marquee matchups, like the Atlanta-Washington, Atlanta-Mississippi, you know, those type of matchups are awesome because it really does show you where you're at. And as long if you lose, obviously nobody wants to lose. But if you do lose, the key point is, how do we respond? How do we bounce back? How do we get better? So a hallmark of a good team is to bounce back. So hopefully Washington can do that this coming weekend. And, Holly, the, the West is literally a little bit wide open because Utah has really gotten by, if you want to call it that, right? Uh, new, new, new head coach, really good, but they've gotten by. Uh, close games, uh, especially against San Diego uh, a week ago. You know, if it wasn't for, you know, that draw pass, uh, they, the Rebellion probably would have won and pulled it off. But they're 5-0 and in terms of the Pacific. And then it's really San Diego, Las Vegas in the running now, and that's it. So it's like a matter of, like, who wants it more, right? It's just going to be either San Diego or Vegas. Vegas taking on L.A. L.A. LA can play spoiler here at this point. Uh, San Diego really made a real big statement given Los Angeles put up almost to, what, over 40 points against Oregon. But uh, overall, this, it's between these two teams, really, in terms of, like, who's going to challenge Utah. Yeah, you know, um, I feel like, so, you know, Oregon plays San Diego this coming weekend. Um, Vegas plays L.A. I think you're probably going to see both teams want to make a statement because you're right. You know, at this point, it's Utah – and then it's San Diego versus Vegas to try to figure out who gets that second spot. And if they don't get the second spot, you know, seeding is still very important for um, the team that doesn't get that second spot. So I feel like 
this weekend they're both going to try to make a statement. I feel like Scott had a lot of turnovers when he played San Diego. Um, so I feel like if Utah takes care of the ball this weekend against Denver, you know, it's going to be um, a really good opportunity for Utah to kind of get their feet going into the playoffs. But I think, honestly, that people are kind of overlooking uh, the West a little bit. I think San Diego and Vegas are a little bit better than people think. That That's just my opinion. I agree. I think uh, the reality is, can Oregon and L.A. play spoiler? They got nothing to lose. So that's a, like Mark said last week, that's a scary situation for Vegas and San Diego because if they just come out and, you know, just try to prove a point uh, last one of the season and get a, get a W, that really, uh, you know, throws a wrinkle in terms of the, the playoff hopes for uh, San Diego and Vegas. All right, let's bring in uh, Denver, the talented running Denver back. winning would upset everything. <laughs> Denver oh, winning sure. would upset the whole uppercut. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, I agree, for sure. Um, uh, let's bring in Jasmine Ballard of the – Washington prodigy right here into the mix uh, and the Zazzle huddle. Uh, Jasmine, thanks for making the time. You're on with Holly Custis, Hall of Famer, WNFC, and myself, Oscar Lopez. Uh, we are happy to have you on to talk some prodigy playoffs and nine cup chase, given last year's did, didn't get in, but uh, I think this year it should be a different story. Yeah. Hey, how are you guys doing? Good. Are you still there with it? Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry. Perfect. Oh, what do you, what do you think of your team uh, trying to make uh, trying to make the uh, the playoff mix this year instead of versus last year where you guys didn't get in? Yeah, last year was a big disappointment not making it, but knowing seeing the new rules with the conferences and everything, um, I think we're going to make it and make a big statement when we get there. Uh, Jasmine, takes us takes us uh, a little bit into the locker room and the mindset of your team. Uh, week one, let's say uh, you know the big win against Philly. We saw you guys so explosive. So it was like for us, it was like is Philly that bad or is Washington that good? Right? That was like the week one. I think when in the locker room we were just that ready, you know, coming off of not being able to make it to the playoffs and then hope that, you know, we were thinking about that all off season. So when we finally was able to get to the first game, we were just like, we're just going to kill anybody in front of us, the excitement and the adrenaline that just was rushing through us. And we just all went out on the field and we got the win. And you go into week two, uh, Jasmine, you get the Mississippi Panthers with the new look, uh, Rasan Gore at the helm at quarterback. Yeah. And you know how well she is in terms of, you know, a threat to run also in the pocket. So you guys get edged there 14-8. to eight. That was a really big, tough battle on both sides, even offensively and defensively for both teams. Yes. That was a, a really tough game physically and mentally because they're a good team. They, I think it was a good, even match. Uh, we both gave each other our our best and – Sadly, they came out with the win, but uh, we, we're ready to see them again in playoffs. Now you're going to week three, uh, back on the W against Philly. Uh, Philly did much improve from week one, only held you guys to 22 points. 
Their defense was much improved that game as well. So you guys get the W there. And then all of a sudden, uh, I'm assuming Florida was asleep because you guys put a 66-burger on that team. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah, going to those two games, we kind of know those teams because we played them the years before. So we kind of knew what they were going to come with. But Philly definitely came different that second game. They definitely did. I'll give them their props on that. But we still came out with the win. We still did what we – what we had to do for both of those teams. And let's go back to this week. Uh, everybody was anticipating this matchup, Atlanta, Washington, Atlanta coming off that loss to Mississippi. You guys uh, coming in here ready to roll. It's an East Coast matchup, you know, rivalry. Um, so it was pretty close uh, for about three three quarters or so, and then all of a sudden, you know, the game, Atlanta gets ahead, and, and uh, I believe it, was, it wasn't even uh, – Brown, right, at quarterback? It was, uh, I think, Langley again at quarterback, right, Renee? Yeah. I think it was, yeah, Brown only came out, like, after halftime, like, fourth, third, fourth quarter. So, so yeah, I, but, it, um, I'm assuming they they put in the veteran because they were scared of you guys somehow. They're like, we got to go, get the win. We got to get the win bouncing off that loss uh, against uh, yeah. Mississippi, so, right, because they switched out the quarterback deal here. Yeah, that that game was a was another tough loss for us. We really, well, personally, I was really expecting the score to be much closer. I think like everyone else was, but Atlanta's a good team and they just was able to pull away. But we made some adjustments and we're going to make more adjustments because we most likely will see them first round in the playoffs. So we're ready for that. Watching film, going back over what we did wrong and what we can execute and what they did wrong and what we can execute on. So we'll be ready to see them again in playoffs. Jasmine, uh, have you been uh, free, injury-free or have you had some ailments through this these seven weeks at this point? Uh, I mean, I don't want to just – you don't want to disclose anything to the op- opposition, but, I mean, um, mostly healthy, you want to say? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I haven't been injured. I mean, the Mississippi game – I did like a little split on the sideline and my knee, it was just like the shock of my knee. But besides that, that's fine. I recovered. I did my therapy and did my working out for it and everything. And I'm perfectly fine now. But that was All right. I'm gonna a little. Have, I'm going to have the uh, Hall of Famer pick your brain in terms of the season as well. Um, so I'll let, I'll pass it on to Holly here to kind of pick your brain on the the season so far. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good. Um, So, great season so far. Um, You know, uh, I went and had an infectious stats. It looks like you're you're leading the league in rushing by a rather large amount at this point. Uh, What do you attribute that to? Uh, Practice. Can you repeat your question? I'm sorry, I didn't really hear the last part. That's okay. Um, So what do you attribute uh, your ability to lead the league in rushing? Do you feel like it's your preparation? Do you feel like it's the scheme? Like, what do you attribute that to? Well, definitely I would attribute to, like, off-season. Off-season right after All-Pro, I took, like, 
two, three weeks off, and then I got right back into football training every day. So that really helped a lot with my performance this season. And then just going to practices, watching film, watching film even in the off season to prepare for teams that I know are have heavy hitters and everything. And that's and then just eating right, drinking water, different stuff like that, just helps out a lot. That's awesome. I always tell people, you know, when the off season hits, it's way easier to stay in shape than to get out of shape and then try to get back into shape. So well done yeah. with that. Um, and you guys were talking earlier about your, your tough loss to Atlanta. Um, what do you guys need to do to bounce back this weekend against Tennessee? Excuse me. I think to bounce back, we just need to simply just execute when we're in certain positions. Uh, we're down the field. we got to be able to score. Simple as that. Uh, that's really it for me, just being able to score in certain situations where we need to score. We, we need to. Uh, our defense, our play defense, so. But I think we have a pretty good defense. I think our defense is pretty good. But as an offense, we got to help them out a little bit more. And that's pretty much it. Awesome. Um, and what would a playoff appearance mean to your team, considering you guys were so close last year and the disappointment of that? What would it mean to you guys to make the playoffs this year? I think it'll mean everything. Like, because like you said, we didn't make it last year. And so we're so close to making it. It's like we're just so excited. And there's one team at a time. We know we got Tennessee in front of us. But uh, just looking at how the league is working this year, we know we're probably going to make it. So we're just excited. It means everything to us. We're just ready to show everybody why we should be in the playoffs and why we should have been in there last year. Very, very cool. And I noticed that when I've watched you play, you're a very physical back. When you see somebody approaching, what is your mentality when you see them approaching? Do you do you have something that you are thinking, or is it just instinct? Uh, my first instinct is probably simply not go to the ground, get as many yards as I can for my team, get down the field. Right. Uh, you know, as a running back, we're getting thrown to the ground a lot, and that turf hurts. You go home with a lot of scratches. So my first instinct is yeah. to hit them before they can hit me. Right. And stay on my <laughs> score. <laughs> Very cool. And do you, uh, do you have any pregame rituals? Do you have, like, a certain song you need to listen to or any particular meal you need to eat? Uh, in the morning, I might eat some oatmeal, lunch, eat something light like a sandwich or something, drink a lot of water, music-wise. Not really too much on, like, the music. I might listen to, like, some NBA Youngboy or something, get me pumped up. But nothing nothing too, like, deep or anything. I'm I'm just, like, already in the mindset throughout the whole entire week, so I'm already kind of there. So it's not too much I got to do game day because I'm already in the mindset of, you know, winning and the team in front of me and what I need to do. Right. And uh, do you have any funny stories from the season so far? 
Can you say it one more time? Do you have any funny stories from the season so far? Uh, besides me doing the split on the side of the field and rewatching that a couple of times, you mean like team wise? Like, or is anything? Yeah, it could be team uh, or you personally. Either way. Uh, no, I don't think so. Any funny stories? Let me think. Let me think. Uh, I don't think I have any. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, doing the splits can be pretty funny if you. Did you stop and watch it in slow motion? Because that's the best. Yeah. I rewatch that, like, pretty often. How did that happen? (laughs) And um, how did you find football? What brought you to the game? Okay, so what brought me to the game was, you know, I've always been around sports. I always played sports growing up and everything. But growing up, obviously, I never knew football was an option for a girl. So during kind of like the COVID-19, I saw like the LFL, but I knew I didn't want to do that. And so I was just looking at like local teams in Virginia, and I found one, and I played for them. Well, it was COVID, so we didn't have any games, but we just had practices. And then I was like, I really want to do this. It's going to be – I really want to – I'm going to do it. I'm going to go all the way. And so I found a WNFP, and I found Prodigy. And I just liked everything that they stood for and everything. I said, all right, this is where I'm going to go. Awesome. And what do you feel, um, what about football really drew you in? What What is it that you love about the game? The contact, the, the excitement, the, the toughness that you have to have to play the sport, the mindset that you have to do, the – what, you, what we put our bodies through is just all together, and it is the sisterhood. You know, because football has, I have found a lot of sisters, not just friends, sisters, right. and so that's part of it, honestly. Because we talk about not just football, just life and everything. Like they're really more than just friends; our teammates. Right. Yeah, definitely. I feel like football is the ultimate fraternity. You could meet somebody tomorrow from a completely different team you've never met before, and you already have a bond with them because you enjoy yeah. the same sport. It's, it's awesome. Um, yeah. And what NFL player do you feel like you compare the most to, like your playing style? Mm. I'll probably say like uh, Derrick Henry. I like the stiff arm, so I would probably compare right. myself to him. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, comparison. You're definitely a power back like that. Yeah. Thank you. And, yeah, no, and that's totally awesome. Earlier in my career, um, I played a lot of running backs, and that was kind of my style too. So I always have a soft spot in my heart for the physical running backs. So I, I like yeah. watching you play a lot um, because that's kind of the style I like. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think you guys are having a great season. Um, you know, right now I'm currently breaking down a lot of film for Houston, so I'm already checking you out. Hopefully we'll see you in the playoffs. Um, yep. But I look forward to seeing what else you and your team can do. And uh, I'll pass it back over to Oscar. Thank you. Thank you. Same. Mm-hmm. All right, Holly, thanks. Um, Jasmine, I uh, appreciate you making the time, and 
uh, a lot of the a lot of excitement for you and your team. Uh, if you uh, if everybody catches you on on W score, they know what you're all about, and you know the toughness mm-hmm. and the grit and and the nice highlights that you get almost uh, top ten highlights almost all the time, uh, Jasmine. So that's a really good credit for you, to you as well. Thank you, thank you. So uh, Jasmine, where do we go after Tennessee here? Uh, what's the mindset of this Prodigy team? Uh, so you can give our audience a kind of a preview, uh, like you said, of the playoff picture. And, of course, uh, it looks like maybe you guys will face uh, your another your rival again, which is probably Atlanta at this point. Um, but, uh, I mean, where, where's, where's the mindset? Tennessee first, of course, and then you guys are really – you have to get dialed, right? It's, gonna, it's like a new season. Yeah. I think the mindset for our team going into winning it all, just going in there head mm-hmm. first, um, and just doing our best, winning, beating everybody, making it to the championship, and playing. Just and that, just keep growing as a team. You know, just keep growing as a team. Win. So yeah, that's really our have fun because if you're not having fun, you're not <laughs> you're not really going to play your best. I feel like. So, so you yeah. did bring up that's- a good point earlier about offensive woes. So is that something that you guys, uh, offensive coordinator, your coach, your quarterback, running back group, and obviously the offensive line, is that something you guys are going to try to strategize within the next three weeks about, you know, red zone efficiency? Because that's literally the only thing, like you said earlier, that maybe is holding you guys back. Yeah, definitely. Definitely is on our brain. And what we're going to be working on to win everything, like we said, yeah, I, I think I think that's the key for everything, right? Uh, because defensively, we want to give a, a shout out to uh, to Sean Lay and Ramsey Desell, and then uh, for uh, for Kasia Kassar, uh Michelle Blake, with Chantel Wilson, Jan and Nelson yep. Brown. So you know, uh, I think that's the heart of the prodigy right now, because they've uh, they've yeah. uh, only allowed. Uh, or, what under 20 points this weekend and only had allowed 14 points total all season. So uh, as yeah. they say, as my old coach would say, if you can get your uh, S together for the next two weeks and offensively, uh, you know, the other side already, already knows how to take care of business. So a complete team yeah. is basically the attitude, right? Yeah, definitely shout out to our defense. They definitely hold us down every game. Even when we don't got our stuff together, they always, they're always, you know, holding us down. So we're excited to see you uh, first round of the playoffs, chase for the nine cup. Um, that's the reason I brought you on here today to do, to do the interview because we want to give the fans sort of a, the excitement of what to expect for the Washington Prodigy as they uh, go for the nine cup championship. So it's kind of exciting mm-hmm. in the DMV. Yep, yep. All right, Jasmine, appreciate you coming on. Looking forward to another chat on, and another interview, and hopefully uh, the goal is to hoist the nine cup in Texas and Dallas specifically and take down the monster that is the Texas Elite Spartans. Thank you. Thank you for having me up here. Have a great night. Appreciate it, and we'll, we'll chat soon. We'll keep an eye on you on W Score. All right, good night. All right, Holly, uh, probably one of the most talented running backs in the WNFC, 
as we stand today. I mean, she's got to be up there top five, right, in terms of uh, just excitement. Oh, definitely. I feel like she's one of those players that, you know, when you're watching film or you're watching the game live, people like to use the expression, they flash on the screen, that's her. And so players like that are really fun to watch, and you can just tell that um, she's having fun while she's doing it. And I always uh, really like watching players at low contact. That's just who I am as a person. So I, I definitely enjoy watching her. Yeah, and when you look at uh, when you look at her stats, it's it's like 713 yards through seven weeks, almost 100 yards a week. Uh, 86 carries. She's averaging about eight yards a carry, uh, seven TDs on the season. But as a as a squad, as she just mentioned here, they just got to get better in terms of execution, in terms of the humble blue zone, as the WNC would call it, and try to make sure that they score, especially in the playoffs uh, with Atlanta, with Mississippi, with um, Texas. You're going to ne- need to stay neck and neck if you want to even have a chance to win. Yes, definitely. And that's where um, these major ma- matchups play off, pay off in the playoffs because playoffs, you know, things get a little bit more intense and the teams that take advantage of their opportunities are the ones that usually end up with the win. So you need to be able to not only move the ball, but when you get the ball uh, into the um, the blue zone, you need to be able to execute and get points, especially against the, the teams that can put up a lot of points on their own. Um, so if they can be more consistent with that, then, then they have uh, every opportunity to make noise in the playoffs. So if you guys are watching WScore, WNFCFootball.com, WScore, it's about uh, $9 or $10 for the month and about $40 for the year. You get to catch Jasmine Ballard of the Washington Prodigy Weekly right there for another week. And then looking forward to seeing her in, in the uh, Nine Cup playoffs coming up here for the 2023 season. So uh, don't, don't forget to subscribe to WScore. And if you're in the DMV, make sure you click on Washington Prodigy as your favorite team right there because it will ask you which is your favorite team in terms of your local market. All right, uh, Holly, uh, let's dive into the, <clears throat> the other game that, I, that had implications. But – uh, San Diego, a little bit pissed off from the loss to Utah, and they just take it out on the Los Angeles Legends. Yes. You know, this is why I feel like people are sleeping on San Diego a little bit. They, they still have a lot of talent from the last couple of years that they've had playoff-level teams. And um, I feel like anytime you have a team uh, with AG on it, then, you know, that's a, she's always a threat. Uh, to take it the distance and you know the other thing is their defense has always been very strong and they have a lot of veterans on that side of the ball uh, you know looking into the game that they beat LA in it looks like they had not one but two fumbles returned for touchdowns so that's that's a pretty awesome stat that doesn't happen very often so not only are they putting up points on the offense in this game but they also executed on defense um, so they're, you know, just like with uh, Vegas, like we were talking about earlier, they're looking to try to, you know, turn some heads, get some eyeballs on them, and say, hey, we're still around. So, you know, really good statement wins for them this last weekend. I think that was uh, ne- necessary considering the, the, you know, the 
disappointment <laughs> that they almost had that win against Utah right at home with that one drop pass. Yeah. Uh, that was just a heartbreaker. Oh, definitely. Anytime you lose like that, it's never fun. You know, I've been on both sides of close games like that, and obviously you always want to win. Um, but I feel like when you lose, it, it definitely sticks with you. Um, so that I'm sure that was part of uh, a release of that frustration this last weekend. All right, let's go into uh, disappointment mode. And we've we got a couple teams that we're going to talk about that everybody's probably going to just like, oh, my God, are you serious? You're talking about us? And we are going to be talking about you. <laughs> so uh, at the beginning of the season, um, Holly, we all said, whoa, super team trying to compete with the Texas Elite, the glory. And somehow the glory ends up at two and four. Not what we expected. No, and, you know, they're a very interesting team because they do have a lot of veterans, um, and they got some key pieces this offseason. Um, I think that King Gabriel is a really good running back. Um, she has good vision, and she has good burst, and she also has some physicality to her. And they created um, their offensive scheme and from what I can see, to be based around her skill set. And when they set the ball a lot early in the year, good things were happening um, offensively for them. But I think she got a little banged up from what I could tell. And I think when that happened, it left them kind of searching for other answers a little bit. And they kind of had some things here that worked and some things here that didn't work. Um, and then I also think that, like us, they had a really tough schedule. It's just that their um, the Houston tough schedule is at the beginning, and uh, their tough schedule ha- happened to be more at the end. Um, but if you look at them, they've played Texas twice too. That's not fun. And then they played Denver in a crazy, crazy overtime game. <laughs> um, you know, they played us. Um, so I feel like they kind of got beat up a little bit by the end of the season. But I don't think it's that they're not talented. I don't think it's that, you know, they don't have, you know, they they have an awesome coaching staff. I think it's just they kind of ran out of gas a little bit. So hopefully, you know, going into this off season, they can spend some time with those players that they acquired from last year, um, you know, get back, you know, into the gym, so to speak, and maybe add more depth so that when these injuries and stuff happen at the back end of the year, um, they can get through it a little bit. So that's kind of what I think happened with them. And it was a really tough schedule for them, uh, Holly, to your point. Week two, that 8-6 to six win against Philly, nobody expected Philadelphia to come out and be so aggressively on defense and hold them back. We anticipated that Kansas City offense to just be explosive, and it did not happen. And all of a sudden, uh, the next, what, they get beat down by Texas, and then they have to go into that, that, that grueling game against Denver. So I think a, a, a lot of it out of that Denver game, they were banged up. I think a lot of it physically they got banged up and they didn't recover. Yeah, and that happens. And in our sport especially, you know, we're, we're growing and the product is getting better and better and better. Um, but the teams that are really, really, really good have a lot of good depth. And, you know, so that's something 
that pays off because you really, by the end of the season, you don't know who's going to play what. You might have to go in a position that you've never played before, and that, that happens with every single team. You know, you see it in the NFL, you see it in college. Like, there's a reason why there's an IR in the NFL and that whole process because it's almost unheard of to get through an entire season without some sort of injury bug happening, you know. And so what you need to do is try to get as much depth as possible, you know, come up with the mindset of next person up, make sure, and this is where I think a lot of um, our sport is getting better at but still needs to work at, is developing that young talent behind your stars because you don't know day-to-day what's going to happen with your number one people. You have no idea. So if you can prepare the people behind them, you might need them later. So that's something that hopefully they can develop in the offseason. And I think they're going to be just fine. I think they just kind of, you know, it just happens from time to time in football. They just kind of got to beat up a little bit. And I think defensively they, they had a good year. Offensively, that not so much, right? Because they, they struggled offensively a lot. And so it showed on there. Defensively, they still, they're still okay. Besides the two monster losses to Texas, I think their season was definitely a challenging season because they were challenged by Denver, challenged by Houston, even challenged by Philly. So uh, it, was a, it was a tough, rough, rough going if you were in Kansas City. So, and then you get sent off to the offseason with the 56-0 slapping by the Texas elite partner. Yeah, that, that last game, I mean, obviously Texas, you know, <laughs> makes a lot of teams look silly sometimes, but I feel like the, the, the um, volume and the scoring tells you how much Kansas City is beat up, right? And so I don't think if you're Kansas City, you should really, um, you know, hold, like not hold your head up because I really think – you did the best you could with what you had at that moment. And I think maybe this is a learning season for them. Maybe they're like, okay, now we know where we need to add depth. Now we know what we need to do to get better in certain areas. I do think their defense was actually pretty strong. I think offensively Mm -hmm. they just kind of faltered a little bit when, uh, you know, one of their key people was beat up. And so that's the challenge of offense is you develop an offensive scheme around certain people and certain skill sets. Um, and then again, if injuries happen, you got to adjust. And sometimes I know as a 49ers fan, sometimes you don't have any quarterbacks and you got to go back out with an already injured quarterback who can't physically throw the ball. And then there's nothing you can do at that point. Sometimes that's what happens in football. <laughs> so you're saying the, the glory needs to chase a, a Mr. Irrelevant. I'm scared to be relevant again. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> everybody's relevant, really, but yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Holly, Philly, uh, Philly did show some light late in the season. In the beginning of the season, they were really not that good, but they started to show light. But what do we say of Florida? I mean, I, I think it was, uh, to me, it was, I was expecting a lot more from Florida, and I, I think it was just disappointing to see them not – you know, be any better than last year for for some reason. Yeah, you know, Florida is a team that's like, it's really interesting. They're a very interesting team. Sometimes I can't quite put my finger on their identity, and I think that's kind of their issue at times. Um, I think they have some talent. Um, I just don't know 
they're really they need to find an offensive identity is I think their biggest, you know, takeaway um going into to the off season is they need to figure out who are we gonna build this around, what is our identity, you know, are we gonna be a more of a run team, more of a pass team? Um, they really need to work on, in my opinion, the, their running game needs improvement. Um, you know, they looks like they're averaging about um, 30 yards a game on the run side of things, and that needs to improve, especially when you're playing teams that have a lot more depth than you and have a lot more experience. You need to establish that line of scrimmage. So I think they need an offensive identity going the next year. They need to work kind of on their – scheme as far as in the trenches and really work on on adding uh, a couple weapons and I think they'll be uh, headed towards making improvements going into next year. But that's where I think they're lacking is that they've quite have, they haven't figured out who they are yet. Holly, and it doesn't help them that they're pen, uh, penalty prone. They are literally self-inflicting themselves yes. every day. It just doesn't and that, help. You know I mean? And that comes with a lot. Usually, you know, it's not always, but usually teams that have a lot of penalties tend to be teams that don't have a lot of experience or and or are not disciplined. So the combination of that usually leads to penalties, and that's not good. If you're a team that already is struggling to move the ball, especially on the offensive side, you can't be afford you can't you can't afford to go backwards, you know. Um and so that's something to work on as well. It, it just you can't spot teams' yards, especially if you're having a hard time getting yards yourself. Now we go to Seattle, Majestics, McCarron uh, coming back, uh, Bunts taking over. We thought you know a uh, you had uh, Tolliver coming back, you had uh, uh, Wood coming back, or just a lot of you know everybody coming back for this Seattle thing, and then all of a sudden uh, you know injuries hit. They get derailed and they're at one and five. Yeah, they had a really good uh, opening weekend, um, and then like you said, they added back some uh, veterans that have a lot of experience. Uh, it definitely feels like, from what I've seen, you know, the injury bug hit them a bit, especially uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they they lost uh, April Arnold pretty early on, and that's a key, you know, heartbeat type of piece for their defense, and they had some other injuries, um, and it seems like, you know, they've had uh, a couple of really tough years, and they're trying to figure out their identity going forward, and so, you know, they have some uh, young talent mixed in with the veteran leadership, um, but I think they also... And need to figure out their identity going forward on the offensive side, as well as some more development up front, I think, would help them tremendously. Um, but, you know, we'll see what they do in the off season. Um, you know, but that's kind of where I, I view them at, at this point. And if you look at Oregon, Ollie, they've owned this rivalry in the Northwest and almost in the similar boat that Seattle is in terms of offense. Um, you know, they were missing a, an explosive running back. Oregon gets an explosive running back or, a, you know, a, a committee running back. I think they could be okay because defensively I think Oregon is still okay. It's just they're just missing some playmakers on offense. If they can find a couple of jewels on offense to kind of uh, spark that up, they could be in that conversation. But uh, also somewhat disappointing for Oregon. 
Yeah, they, so Oregon, um, you know, they, they lost Siobhan from this last year, which was a mm-hmm. big chunk of their production uh, on both sides of the ball, really. But especially, I think they miss her on offense, especially. Um, I think that the difference between Seattle and Oregon is that Oregon has more of an offensive identity. They've played in its, either the same offense or a variation of the offense for a few years now. Some of their previous coaching has been in the Portland area for a while on other teams, and I've known them for a good long time. So I think that that's where that identity piece pays off. So even though they lost Siobhan, they were able to they seem like they feel more comfortable in their offense when you watch them. Uh, they might not have, you know, uh, nobody really has some of the Texas elite type of depth, you know, when it comes to the speed and talent on the offensive side. Um, but at the same time, they, they figured out this committee thing, and it, it seems to be working pretty well for them. Um, so to your point, if they can add a couple more key pieces there, I think the offense will, will take off even more. Uh, on the defensive side, they still have a lot of experience. Um, so I think that's kind of the difference in why, um, you know, even though Seattle won the first matchup, Oregon was able to pull away in the second matchup. Yeah, and it's a, it's kind of intriguing there. What do we say of Los Angeles uh, in terms of, I mean, a disappointing season for them once again? They they were supposed to be, you know, rebuilt here, and they were excited to come in here. And so the last, you know, the three teams in the uh, Pacific, Really, I think somewhat disappointing seasons for all of them because we we expected a little bit better season from them. But Los Angeles specifically, I thought for sure they they'd be better basically. Yeah, so LA is a team that I thought would be a little bit better. Um, I feel like they have a really interesting mix of young talent and some veteran talent. Um, I think that I I think. I'm really curious about is their lack of consistency um, on the offensive side. Um, it seems to be that, you know, they, they move the ball, but they don't necessarily put up a lot of points. And so maybe what they need to work on is more execution um, and finishing drives because that those are kind of two different things. Like you, you can move the ball, executing in the, in the blue zone or finishing, or taking an advantage of situations is a whole other level for offense. Um, you know, and I feel like uh, defensively, I think they need maybe a little bit more up front to help them uh, going forward. I think they have some stuff to work on, but I don't think they're that far off. I think my biggest, I guess, uh, takeaway from them is to work on being more consistent in execution. And it, it also, this is another team similar to uh, Florida in a way where penalties really hurt them. Uh, 32.2 penalty yards per game. That, that's like poor field position. You're just giving the game away pretty much. So they got to improve on that too. Oh, definitely. And, you know, there's nothing that will drive a coach more crazy than, you know, um, self-inflicted penalties. So you're going to have, you're always going to have the subjective penalties, the PIs that happen. Um, you know, sometimes holding calls can be kind of subjective, that sort of thing. But the the key thing is, 
are you getting these penalties because you're being like aggressive, like a, a PI, and that's something that you can kind of work with. If you're being aggressive, you can kind of try to find ways to use that aggressiveness in a positive way. But if you are getting penalties because you're doing false starts or delayed game or illegal formation, like stuff like that, that nobody else is forcing you to do, that's the stuff that's the difference between an inexperienced team and an experienced team. So it's definitely something that um, they need to work on as well. Yeah, and it, it was kind of, I mean, the teams were the teams were talking about teams that we thought were going to blossom right into some sort of better competitive state, and it just didn't turn out to be that way. Um, before you, before we let you go, Ollie, uh, Tennessee and Houston, obviously we would uh, we would have assumed at the beginning of the season that Tennessee would not be as competitive as they have been but they've started to improve the last three weeks. And so if they would, they would finish basically one and five or somehow they upset Washington this weekend, they would be two and four, uh, similar to three and three Houston. So if you're, you know, if you're a Tennessee coaching staff and if you're in Houston, this is a, this is a very successful season. Yeah, I think so. And I did a lot of, film preparation for our game, um, you know, going into this last weekend. And so I went back and I watched their first game and, you know, like I think almost all the games that they played this season. And so it's very obvious you can see the progression. The very first game against Atlanta was probably a terrible draw for them. <laughs> you know, it's hard being a first-year team as it is, and then you're going against a veteran-laden playoff level team and when I was watching Tennessee like their defense alignment a couple of times against Atlanta I was like what are they in like it just was so apparent that they were a brand new team but then you could see the progression throughout the week so their defensive alignment got better a little bit tighter like you could see that progression so if you're a first year team I think for Tennessee it's a very successful season because your goal is to get better each week and I think they are doing that. And so if they can do that uh, a little bit more here in the last uh, week against Washington, I think it's definitely an eye-opening first season for them. But if they can take what they learned this season and build upon it going into next season, that's, that's the key right there. I think uh, in terms of the Trojans, as long as, uh, as they can somehow uh, grow their quarterback depth, I think, I think they would be very beneficial for them to have a dual threat attitude with maybe a backup or two quarterbacks. Uh, I think Tess Ortiz Marsh is pretty good. I just I think offensively they just need to get better at that in terms of the core. Figure out, like you said, are they going to be a run game type? Are they going to be a passing game? Uh, either or, I think they have a very good nucleus to build off that. Defensively, they're not they're not bad. They've actually uh, the last three weeks they've started to improve very very well because. If you look at their matchups, they got burned on the first game, like you said, against Atlanta, and then all of a sudden they they hold um, Florida to six points, and then they hold uh, Florida to nine points, and then they hold uh, Philly to 22, Houston to 22. So they're not bad defensively. It's just uh, they're somewhat they got to fix the offensive side in this offseason. Yeah, and and a lot of that from what I was seeing was stuff like alignment and like because I'm a defensive-minded person one of my pet peeves is defensive alignment because it's the simplest thing 
that you can control as a defense is where you line up. And if you're not lined up correctly, everyone on your defense has a, a job and a responsibility and a role. And if you're lined up incorrectly, it messes everything up. And depending on how badly you're not lined up correctly, you can give somebody a wide open touchdown. And I remember being a young player when I played more offense as a running back, there were times I could look at the line of scrimmage, see the defense alignment, and think, okay, I got a touchdown. Nobody's going to – I know where the play is going. Nobody's on this side of the field. Like, it's, it's, it's over, right? So it, you have mm-hmm. to work on those little key pieces. But what I saw with them is that they did make those adjustments, and I think that is probably um, a huge – reason why they um, got better uh, defensively. And then on the offensive side, I do think that, um, you know, Tessa is their offensive um, captain by far. She, she She's a good leader. You can tell by the body language how she leads her team. I think they just, to your point, need a little bit more depth on the offensive side. Um, and then maybe a couple more weapons, uh, maybe add a couple of different wrinkles into the scheme. Um, and then I think you'll, you'll see more points for them going forward. All right. So, Holly, um, we're getting the chase here. Is the, if Denver beats Utah here, do they get in and Houston gets snuffed? Or is, if Denver loses, Houston gets in and Denver gets snuffed, as it stands right now? Okay. So this is like a weird, weird game. So if, if Utah wins, then I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure, you know, we never want to say for certain because you never really know until the, the final, you know, rankings and everything come in. But I think if Utah wins, it's pretty sure that, that, that Houston that we're, that we're in. If Denver pulls off the, up, the upset, then I have no idea because then it's really between Vegas. Um, we're assuming if Vegas wins, then it would be Vegas, um, us, and then Denver comes back in the picture. And so Denver would be basically like back up from the from the dead, like like the Walking Dead coming back into the picture. And then I really don't know. It would really depend on the the rankings and how people view each team, their strength of schedule, who won against who, that sort of thing would come into play. But if Denver were able to pull the upset, it would definitely make those ranking revealing shows that I'm sure they're going to uh, announce that they're going to do. That would make it very, very interesting. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that. I do think that it's gonna be a really tall ask for Denver. Um, they're gonna have to be able. If Utah takes care of the ball and doesn't turn it over like they did against, against San Diego, then you know you have to think they're gonna score X amount of points, right? So then you have to think if you Denver, how many points do I need to score? to keep in this game and or win this game, right? So can Denver be consistent enough on offense to put up enough points to beat Utah uh, is the question. Or they're going to have to make Utah create a lot of – turn the ball over a lot, either direction. So not saying it can't happen, but I do think it's going to be a big challenge for Denver this weekend. Yeah, and then you have a sleeper, like I said, earlier the the coming into week six coming into this week we had texas number one denver at number four in terms of the wfrc then we had utah number two and san diego number three on the other side in the atlantic you had mississippi number one taking on your houston mambas number four 
and then you had number two Atlanta against the Prodigy number three. So uh, in the hunt, Vegas this week a must win. Cannot let L.A. you know play spoiler. That's literally the the way it's got to work. And then uh, also on the other side, uh, like you said, Denver in a must win just to get in. I, I really think that's what it boils down to for them. Yes, it's definitely a must win um, for Denver. They can't afford to lose, I think, and um, still be in the picture. But that's what really makes these these last regular season games uh, fun is there's always some intrigue. And, and even if you know, you know, teams are probably in the playoffs, they're still seeding on the line. You know what I mean? Um, so teams like Atlanta and Washington still have games this weekend that they still have to take care of business because they don't want to lose traction in the seeding. And then for San Diego and, and uh, Vegas, they're battling each other and trying to get, you know, into the correct seat for them too. So it should be a really fun weekend. I'm excited to watch it. All right, so Holly, uh, Holly is a Houston Mambus scouting guru, so she gives us all the insights here. She's been scoping the WNFC all season, especially the Central Division. Uh, so, Holly, it's going to be an exciting ride for uh, the, the group in Houston. If you guys, do, if you guys get in, uh, you know, Kesha and company and everybody in Houston, this is going to be very exciting if you guys uh, punch it in. Yeah, you know, I was telling um, people on the team, the players are holding other – whole nother ballpark yeah it's a whole nother season especially in this format where you're playing two games in three days you know it's not just playing the games you have to manage the weekend correctly as as a program and so that's Mm -hmm. challenging in itself so getting to the number one and then once you get to the playoffs you know all bets are off it's a whole nother season and that's something that i learned with you saw last year like kind of went into the playoffs at three and three, uh, um, you know, beat two undefeated teams to get into the championship. And so I really, I was able to use that as an example for um, my Houston team and be like, Hey, like you don't know until you get there. You just got to get there. It's a whole nother, whole nother ball game. Yeah, I know. And your first, you, you got first, first hand, right? It's just, it's basically you guys went through that motion three and three, get in, and, you know, chopped down Denver, chopped down San Diego, and, and arrived in Texas. But, you know, that was literally what it, what happened. So it was a brand-new season. So exactly to your point, this is where some of the teams that do get in, that's how their mindset has to be. All right, Holly, thank you for coming in, breaking it down for us, giving us the, uh, the lowdown in terms of the WNFC picture as we come into week eight. Uh, thanks for Jasmine Ballard here to come in and give us a, uh, kind of a perspective in terms of, the Washington Prodigy and what they're looking forward to here for week eight. Uh, so we'll, we'll catch next week as to see who gets in, basically, because after this week, we should know who gets in after week eight. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, thanks for having me on, and, and I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Safe travels. Uh, we'll catch you next week. All right. Bye. All right, guys. That was Holly Custis. Um, and uh, who better to break down the WNFC playoffs than our own Hall of Famer, who obviously was on a team that ended up 3-3 three and three last year, took down Denver and San Diego, which were basically like 1-2 and two in terms of the West, and arrived Texas. And, of course, the result is they did not win. 
but that was a an impressive run. So we're gonna look at, we're looking forward to see who is gonna be the team to make that that happen this year in terms of a run in terms of the like the West Coast mix as well. Uh let's bring in the Oracle of Women's Tackle Football. That's the backseat coach, aka Mark Simone in the house, also Boston Renegades fanatic. Mark, what's going on? Hi, Oscar. Uh just you know, I was listening to you and Holly talk about the WNFC. It was really, uh, you know, great analysis. Also, overall, of just how the season went, you know, you'd mentioned that, you know, some of the teams were um, a disappointment in a way um, that they weren't more competitive than they were last year, but there were definitely some some bright spots in, in terms of, of that. You know, Houston, the Houston Mambas, I think, are – one of those, um, so much better than the Houston Heat were last year. And I think it should be worth noting as well that um, there are no winless teams in the WNFC this season. Compared to last year, there were three winless teams. So, um, you know, sometimes progress is incremental and very, very difficult to see. and um, I think, yeah, sure, we, we kind of hope that Florida would be a little more competitive. You know, Philly would have been a little more competitive. And, you know, in these in these small ways, you know, um, they were. Philly was one of those teams last year that did not have a win, and, and they, they got a win this year. So um, it's it's been a good season, uh, regular season. In the WNFC, just about to wrap up um, with some, you know, playoff uh, slots on the line still uh, at the very end. So we get a little bit of wine and cheese and maybe some popcorn and butter because we're getting ready for Denver, Utah. That's the one I'm going to be watching very closely. And then I'm looking forward to two other games, Mark. Maybe the upset Oregon, San Diego, and maybe the upset Los Angeles, Vegas. As Holly was alluding here, maybe these two, these teams that are just going to go into 2024, they want to get that big W and, you know, uh, shuffle it up a lot more in terms of the playoffs. That's that's right. Um, you know, the last season of the – or the last week of the regular season is just primed for, for a shocker. And um, so I definitely um, – I'm looking at that Las Vegas, Los Angeles matchup. You know, I think Las Vegas has proven that they are, um, you know, more likely to win than Los Angeles, but um, you just can't, you can't look past it, right? You can't look past it. So we'll definitely be watching that one um, this weekend for sure. All right. And in Atlanta, uh, rebounds, Atlanta, think should take care of business against Florida unless Somehow Florida wakes up and and uh, shocks the WNFC for the final week of the season, which doesn't seem to be the case in terms of you know the uh, the pattern. In other words, in Florida and then Tennessee, yeah, no, uh, you know Jasmine said, hey, we, we can't overlook them. They've actually had a pretty good late improvements here in the last couple of weeks, so that's an intriguing matchup there too. But I think the three that we're looking for is Denver, Utah, San Diego, Oregon. And uh, L, uh, Vegas, L.A., that's the ones that we got to really – because that's the ones that are going to affect the rankings in terms of the seedings. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I, I think Las Vegas is, should they lose, would, would get obviously knocked out of the playoffs. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. think they're, of all those teams, that's the only team whose playoff uh, spot is really on the line. You know, I feel yep. like if, even if if San Diego lost, they would still be in the playoffs. Atlanta or Washington would still be in the playoffs, even if they lost this week. Um, so the seedings will change, yes, possibly. See any of those teams getting, you know, ousted out of the playoffs. I think really Vegas is the only team that has something to lose here in in this final week. If Oregon steps up their game, as the league motto would be, um, Mark, against San Diego, that would be a huge uh, win going into 2024. You know what I mean? To, to take down the rebellion on the last week of the season. So I don't know if there's inspiration there in Oregon. Well, you know, I, I think for a lot of the teams that know that they're not going to make it into the playoffs, um, and you have one week to play, and, you know, they don't have anything to lose, they don't want to go out with a whimper, right? They want to, they want to try and go out on a high night, high note. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, don't look past any of these, these teams, even though they, you know, they don't have, you know, much to game in, in terms of, you know, making the playoffs, but do have a lot of to gain in, in terms of their, you know, their personal pride and, um, you know, their camaraderie as a team. So um, I expect to see some good games this weekend, Oscar. Yeah, and I th- I'm with you right there on that. Um, let's let's go into uh, the WFA because we, we basically broke down WNFC in the first hour. So if you guys want to go back to uh, listen to the first hour, listen to the Hall of Famer, talk, uh, we talked to Jasmine Ballard as well, talked to WNFC pretty much for the whole hour. And we just gave you the, the May 20th Week 8 matchup here. Uh, so we're just anticipating the results of Week A here in this in this week, right, uh, Mark? And then we're anticipating what the WFRC will do by the middle of next week, which is, uh, I believe, on either Wednesday or Thursday. We should see uh, the seedings as to who goes to South Lake and who goes to Atlanta. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a tough wait, especially for you know the teams mm-hmm. teams like Denver and Houston and Vegas who are kind of on the bubble there. And, um, you know, after the games are played this weekend, they might have a good idea to whether they're in or out, but then you won't really know until those um, WRFC rankings come out. So, um, you know, and that's a tough wait. You have to wait a few days for those to come out. All right. Uh, so, Mark, before we dive into the Women's Football Alliance, just a reminder, everybody, uh, go to Zazzle.com, Forza Spreadown Beauties, get your gear there, T-shirts, leggings, other gifts. If you don't uh, get anything from our shop, no big deal. You can get Shop Zazzle as well. You got Marvel, Disney, and other name, uh, name brands, including Star Wars. So you guys check it out, Zazzle.com, Forza Spreadown Beauties, and uh, get some stuff from us. If not, you can also get some stuff from Zazzle's or actual sponsor, Worldwide Shipping. Uh, you can use our code uh, for 15% off, 15% off, Zazzle Thanks. Uh, so you can get some good, cool stuff there at Zazzle. Go support our sponsor that keeps our, our podcast alive and brings attention to women's tackle football. All right, Mark, uh, let's go to Canada. Uh, Maritime kicked off as well. 
St. John's in the same boat at Halifax. Um, so we should have a good season there in terms of the four teams that are going to go there. But uh, we go to Canada in terms of the WWCFL. Uh, we didn't anticipate uh, a complete demolish of the Winnipeg uh, Wolfpack. I didn't anticipate it, but they did get routed 59-0 against Regina. Uh, and then Lethbridge uh, literally uh, just hasn't been very competitive this season. They get routed 49-0 to from Edmonton. So in that other – in the uh, Alberta swing, Mark, it's really going to just be Calgary Rage, really. I mean, this is, the, this is their season to shine in terms of, like, as it looks on the schedule here because two more weeks to go. If they go through this – you know, if they get their wins, they, they could go undefeated. The, the question will be, can they compete against a Saskatoon or a Manitoba? Right. Um, it, it seems like uh, – the disparity between the teams is is so so wide, um, and you know seasons are short. Um, and w- will Calgary and Saskatoon meet up in the in the regular season? Have they already met up? Uh, Calgary, we might not Saskatoon, see that. No, no yeah. because the way so, that the way the schedule is set up is uh, the Alberta teams are going to play each other only. So the three teams mm-hmm. in Alberta will play the whole season with each other, and they will not meet anybody different until you get to the playoffs. Where right. on, the, so, uh, on the on the Manitoba side, uh, you know, in the in the it's going to be Saskatoon, Manitoba, Winnipeg, Regina. They all kind of play each other, only in that zone. So uh, yeah, the two provinces make up the two conferences. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, well, that will certainly. Um, leave a lot of questions kind of unanswered until playoff time. And, um, yeah, if it looks like Calgary is the the one that can take a, a run at Saskatoon, then then that's then that's what it is. That's what it's looking like. I mean, that's the only thing that it looks like right now because they've, they've already won against Lethbridge. They beat Edmonton. Uh, and if they win the next two games, right, one more matchup against Lethbridge and Edmonton, then they're pretty much in the shoe-in. Um, Manitoba did fall this weekend to Saskatoon. We knew that that was going to happen, but it was a very competitive matchup, 26-14. They were in the final last year, and they were really surprised everybody. So this is a much-improved team here, and we talked to uh, quarterback Sawiski here uh, in one of our podcasts, and she was really excited to be, you know, for this game coming up here. And so they kept it close, Mark, 26-14. So that's not too bad against the big, big-time, you know, uh, juggernaut that is Saskatoon. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, and, you know, the the fearless have definitely, um, you know, held their own against um, the Winnipeg in a blowout, 78 to nothing. So, you know, we know that they have, um, you know, some playmakers. Um, their Their defense must be pretty decent if they held Saskatoon only 26 points. So um, it, it's definitely good to see that um, kind of uh, pit competitiveness, uh, especially when we know, you know, the tier, the uh, teams that are sort of like at the bottom are, are really, really quite far away from being competitive from, from the top teams of the league. So, Mark, uh, week five coming up, I mean, so week four coming up here is only going to be one matchup. That's, like I said, Calgary against Edmonton. So we already know that, that the first game of the season, Calgary did win, so it's kind of a rematch game here. Uh, and then week, yep. uh, week six 
or I mean, I'm sorry, week five. It's going to be, uh, you know, big matchups there week five. Uh, you got Manitoba against Regina. That would be a crucial game there. And then uh, week six, we're looking at Saskatoon and Regina, uh, obviously the annual rivalry game. And that's the only real intriguing matchups there. Other than that, we should see, like I said, uh, Calgary uh, make the playoffs, and then we will, we will we'll, more than likely it will be Saskatoon against Calgary. Yeah, more than likely. That's what it's looking like. All right. So we go overseas, um, and we go to Sweden. Uh, Copenhagen and Gothenburg uh, tied at 18. Uh, I did not, uh, wasn't able to find out the information uh, why and how, but apparently the, the game was tied after, you know, obviously regulation. So I'll try to get the details there. But uh, Copenhagen 18 to 18 against Gothenburg. Uh, Vesteras uh, lose 32 to 30. Uh, Linham right there, a much improved team this year. Then a- AIK 14 to nine. They rebound against Copen. So, Mark, coming up here this weekend, Vesteras, Gothenburg. We got Copenhagen against Norcopen. Uh So we got uh, two, two and one Copenhagen against one and zero oh Norcopen. But the, the battle that we're going to be interested in is: Can Linham Griffins uh, be competitive with the champions, Crosstech Crusaders? Right. I mean, it, it's um, it's really actually quite surprising to see that Linham is is undefeated so far. And actually, well, they have two wins and um, one loss, and that's pretty good record for for them. So, yeah, that's that's the matchup we want to see if if, if they have any juice against uh, reigning champions, the Karstadt Crusaders. Um, the Crusaders have again, you know, looking very strong, um, giving up no points so far in the season. So, um, obviously, uh, the Griffins have their work cut out for them. But this is why you play the games, and um, so that so that'll be definitely um, one of the uh, most watched, uh, looked after games this weekend. Definitely interested in seeing how that pans out. I'm I'm thinking Timus uh, Timus, uh, uh, who's one of the big fans of Carlstad, and he keeps basically on his YouTube channel. So if we if he uploads the highlights or the link. We will obviously put post that on at the hub so that everybody can watch the highlights of that game. So I think it's going to be a really good matchup to watch. So hopefully they'll have a YouTube feed, and uh, if they don't, they no- he normally puts out some highlights. So hopefully we'll get that as well, some highlights as well. Uh, let's go to Finland before we dive into the WFA. Uh, uh, Turku 25 to six in week one against Helsinki. Uh, week two, Mark Northern Lights. Uh, they get routed 46-13 against Helsinki. So I guess the you know the Wolverines were angry after that uh, beatdown from Turku, and then Turku yeah. 22 to 14, uh, they take on Tampere. Tampere much improved team the last two seasons, uh, and it kind of showed here uh, with a you know uh, I believe a six point loss or so to Turku. So that was a really good competitive matchup. And yeah, that, and that's good to see. Um, it really looks like Turku is you know the dominant force now in uh, the Women's Maple League. And, you know, but but the other teams still have to... It's just the same as when the Wolverines were on top. You know, the other teams are trying to build up their programs to, to be competitive. And um, it, it's very interesting to to um, just try and track, particularly, you know, the, the, the Tampere Saints and the Ulu Northern Lights, to see, you know, if they can get into the, you know 
get into the game in terms of um, being competitive week in and, and week out and being able to take on the behemoths in your Turkey Trojans and your Helsinki Wolverines. So you guys can get everything that's happening in the sport, the lowdown and everything in terms of the Europe scene, uh, in terms of Canada, Mexico, LaFi, Alexfa. Uh, we're talking everything that's happening in the sport internationally uh, at the best network on the planet. And that is at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Beauty. So check it out there. You get the lowdown on everything, including the CCWFL, uh, which is Montreal, uh, Montreal Blitz against York, I believe. So uh, you get, get the lowdown right there. Uh, Mark, before we go to WFA, a state of origin, not a comp- as competitive as we thought it was going to be, but uh, New South Wales did uh, play a lot better than they did in the first match. So they, uh, I believe they end up losing 30-22 this time around in, in match number two. That's, uh, you know, that's not bad. Um, and how many, we got two more weeks, one more week left in um One, in one more match. Right? Yeah, one more match. One more match. Uh, it's going to be... One more match. Fantastic. But I think Queensland, Queensland will probably take it. Uh, just they, they they just look very veteran-like, uh, where I think New South Wales still has a lot of work to do. But, uh, you know, shout-out to New South Wales. They, they, they've played pretty decent ball. They've improved since match one. So we're looking forward to the next match uh, here uh, in terms of the state of origin for uh, the Australian scene here. Um, so that should be good. Uh, shout out to Christy Moran, still doing her thing out there, Mark. Just uh, still scoring touchdowns. Right. <laughs> that's you know that's great to see. Um, you know some of our familiar friends um, still still doing it in their you know home countries. Um, uh, and you know we, we know what she's got. She can really run with the ball well, and she's hard to stop. And I imagine that she's even more hard to stop in her home country of Australia, right? Oh yeah, for sure. She's a, she's been she's been a you know she's been a very uh, good ambassador for uh, women's gridiron in Australia as well. So awesome ambassador for the sport. Oh, for for sure, no doubt. Um, internationally, you know, known um, team team Australia. Chicago Force, um, no joke football brand ambassador, if you will. So, um, a very great um, ambassador for the sport, for sure. All right, Mark, uh, let's go into this WFA uh, massacre that happened in, uh, I guess, at, at Revere. So, it's, no. it's uh, Boston, Pittsburgh. We said, hey, can Pittsburgh come up to the next level? We got our answer. It's not happening yet. <laughs> not happening yet. No, certainly not yet. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know. Obviously, one of the big storylines, um, and we we touched on this last week, Oscar was is uh, Pittsburgh's roster. Um, it it looked like in that game against Tampa Bay, uh, starting quarterback Marcelina Chavez went down with an injury, and uh, that is. That that is a fact. She did not play um, in in Boston, and also um, uh, running back Maria Fatali also did not play in Boston either. Apparently, she was also injured in uh, Pittsburgh's game against Tampa Bay. Um, 
so yeah, without without their um, you know two of their their most electrifying players, well, it's going to be a hard slog against a team like like Boston, who's you know got a very very tough defense, and you know you just lost two of your best offensive players, um, you know. But shout out to Pittsburgh for um, you know uh, Sissy George, you know was under center. Um, it was a, a tough ins- assignment to uh, to move the ball, and, and Pittsburgh did have a hard time moving the ball. But um, you know, given the circumstances, you know, what else can you do? Um, kudos to, to Pittsburgh for um, you know putting up a game and putting up a fight. And I know we're gonna we're you know Boston's probably gonna see a better team at the end of the season when they go to Pittsburgh. Hopefully they'll have, you know, some of those players back. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, unfortunately, you know, when you're cut up, cut off at the knees and then you're going to try to compete with this huge gang that is Boston, that is not a, a pleasant thing. Um, DC's experienced it. Almost everybody's experienced it. Detroit now has experienced it. Um, right. It's like the worst it's, timing it's, that you could possibly have. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you said, you know, Chavez is very talented. We thought for sure we'd get that nice matchup, you know, Cahill, Chavez, see how that was going to be for Tali, right, against Kusinen, that kind of showing. But it's unfortunate that that happened, you know, that, that we'd not get to see that. So uh, Boston, uh, Mark, um, as so far, um, you know, we got our Norjuk football rankings, which is based on, on just points scored and defense opportunity points and stuff like that. And, so, you know, I got a lot of messages this week. How can you put Boston at number three? And I'm like, well, they're number three in our rankings because of the fact that the scoring is, you know, capped up at 30, right? So it doesn't matter if they score 90. Our scoring is still capped up at 30. So it kind of keeps it even mm-hmm. playing field for everybody. But, you know, we, we don't do the rankings uh, in terms of official. They're not official rankings. They're our own rankings in terms of just what we cap it at. And, and they're trending upwards, right? So this week, more, more, more than likely, this, this is the week that they go into the number one slot, given their 60 points, and a shutout. So more, more right. so that that happens. Um, but, Mark, I mean, Massey ratings is what the WFA looks at it. They are the number one team to beat in, in terms of the WFA pro. This is like no question. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think their offense has a lot to do with that. Um, now, of course, you know, Massey as well kind of um, kind of caps victories at, at at forty points, which is to say right. that you know victories with a margin of more than forty points, you know, doesn't really you know improve things for you, and it doesn't make anything worse for you. Um, it's just that forty points is a 40 point margin is sort of the optimal win in terms of um, how Massey uh, ratings work. But, you know, um, in terms of, you know, the games on the field, um, the Renegades, you know, are, are the leaders in, in total points, uh, you know, in three games here, they're averaging 60 points a game. Um, They have two shutouts, which is actually not the best in, in WFA pro. Um, The, the slam, the St. Louis slam have three shutouts uh, under their belt this season. They haven't allowed any points. So, um, 
you know they have the they have the best defense when you best scoring defense in WFA Pro, so that would certainly help ex- explain um, their appearance at the top at the top of of a list or two, um, and, um, and there's a lot of really great numbers in the WFA right now. The the Cali War in total yardage. Um, uh, has o- already over a thousand yards in um, in offense, and um, you know Renegades are up there. The Alabama Fire, um, the Vixen. Um, so there's a, there's you know teams are accomplishing quite a lot out there, um, and it's it's good to see. But you know to your point, Oscar, that, you know the outcomes of the games in terms of, you know, how they play out. Um, it definitely looks like like Boston and St. Louis are sort of the most dominant teams out here in the WFA. And that's what the trajectory tells us right now because we're looking at uh, the schedule, right? They're, uh, they're both their schedule, and we anticipate Boston to run the table. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, uh, what other world people were living in, but I'm living in reality. <laughs> I think Boston right. will run the table, right? Uh, I don't think right. there's anybody that's going to slow them down uh, unless they get, right. you know, lucky in the playoffs or something like that. But I'm, I'm assuming they'll run the table. Um, we 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 wanted to get Amanda on here this week, but unfortunately we couldn't we couldn't do it because she's preparing for the Renegades uh, this week. So hopefully her showing will be better than uh, Pittsburgh's showing and better than the first week of matchup showing. So, uh, I mean, she's uh, obviously uh, yeah. more focused this time around. So we'll see how D.C. will fare against Boston this, this coming week. Uh, that's one of the matchups in week five um, to, to look at. We also have Pittsburgh-Detroit. Um, that's uh, always a rivalry game there as well. Um, what is it? Nevada-Cali also. So week five for the WFA seems to be very interesting. Uh, and then we also have the two games, the for the fans – Alabama, first time we'll get to see Alabama live nationwide against Tampa Bay Inferno. That's, a, you know, the southern duel there. And then the Women's Sports yep. Network, St. Louis, Minnesota, which is always uh, a rivalry to watch, no different than uh, Boston, D.C. I definitely think, you know, the two games of the week are are going to be good ones. I'm particularly interested um, to see the Alabama fire play the Tampa Bay Inferno. Um, it would be the first time that I'll be seeing the Alabama fire in the WFA um, since, you know, a few years ago um, when they were still, I think, at a, a Division three team. Um, and, th- and this game, their game with Tampa Bay, this is an important game for both of those teams. Um, right now we're halfway through the WFA season. And I kind of feel like, you know, if you were to take a look at the Massey ratings, we might be at a point where we're going to see little changes going forward unless there are some really big victories. And right now, Tampa Bay, after taking that loss to uh, DC Divas last week, Oscar, um, Tampa Bay is kind of on the outside looking in uh, as far as, you know, the playoff race goes, um, you know, you've got Boston, of course, uh, Pittsburgh is still ranked highly. 
and Alabama and D.C. are the two teams that in the East that are ahead of Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay could have helped their um, chances very much by getting a win over D.C. last week, but it didn't happen. Um, and that was a pretty fantastic finish to that game, by the way, just as an aside. But so, but this that sets up this game with Alabama as as being Tampa Bay's uh, biggest game of the season, and Alabama as well. Whoever wins this game is going to be in the playoffs, and the loser is going to be eliminated. No, there's a lot of implications in this game. I mean, is Billingsland against uh, I think it's Candace Pistol, right? Candace Pistol uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Courtney Billingsley here. Those are the two key match, uh, two offenses that we're going to. Alabama uh, has had, I wouldn't say a cushy schedule, but they've had a very competitive D2, uh, you know, matchup schedule, which you got to give your hats off to, um, you know, Atlanta Rage, who was the only team. Uh, Derby this year, for some reason, is just not able to score. They're not, they haven't been able to be offensively very uh, explosive. Uh, they've been yeah. okay they've been, uh, in that sense, you know, but Atlanta did give them a, uh, a run for their money for in terms of a probably a loss, right? That's the closest one, 30 to 20. So this is, uh, to your point, this is a, a very important matchup for both teams in the pro division because this will decide, you know, Massey will decide whether who gets in and who, who is going home. Absolutely. And, um, you know, Alabama's been playing well. They've got three wins under their belt. But as you mentioned, they're all Division Two teams. Um, you know, Tampa Bay is their only Division One opponent. So um, it, it's, it's kind of like putting all the eggs in one basket if you're Alabama. Um, but it might work out, you know, it might work out for them. If they get this win, uh, they're very likely into the playoffs. Um, and that would be almost kind of astonishing for a team that only had like one um, WSA pro opponent on their schedule. So, um, I mean, Massey works in very strange ways. We we do agree, certainly, that, you know, Derby City and Atlanta are, you know, a couple of the toughest um division two teams. Um, so, so, so that's certainly credit to the fire in taking those games, but, um, uh, this is certainly an intriguing matchup. Um, it's, it's one that I don't think, um, I don't think this matchup has happened, um, uh, before, um, when uh, Alabama was in the WFA uh, a few years ago. Um, so, and obviously there's a lot riding on this game for, for Tampa Bay who are kind of retooling, you know, they have a, you know, uh, Candace Pissoli is a new quarterback. She's been with the team for quite a while, but it was always Kim Shaw under center. So Tampa Bay has been trying to reorganize a little bit in terms of their, their roster positions. And obviously it's been an adjustment, but I personally think Tampa Bay looks pretty good. Um, I, th- I think they made a, f- a few mistakes in that game against D.C. Um, I, st- I think they're still a competitive team. And so I really think this game with Alabama is really going to be one to watch. I agree. I think this is a key matchup. It'll be on for the fans. 
Uh, and then also on the W uh, um, Women's Sports Network, we will say St. Louis, Minnesota, and I'm pretty sure it'll be Town Square TV, and we will get you the link there as well. Um, so pretty good matchups here. Week five, Boston, D.C. clashes, Pittsburgh, Detroit, also a rivalry. Alabama, first look against Tampa with the, you know, playoffs implications there on the line. Uh, St. Louis, Minnesota, see if St. Louis stays undefeated, see if Minnesota pulls an upset here and gets their first win against their rival at home after, and they'll go to, you know, what, two back-to-back wins, see if they'll make that. We'll see how Nevada fares against Cali because apparently, you know, they're obviously a different team this year than they were last year. Uh, let's see here. Who do we have? Houston coming off the loss of Minnesota. They, they're playing at Zydeco. And then it's Mal High. It's going to take on New Mexico. Uh, Mark, let's dive into W2, uh, Division Two now through four weeks. More of a clear picture for us. Uh, we, we're not shocked. Uh, you know, we had uh, Texas Elite, uh, Dallas Texas Elite lose to the Lady Force. So right now, as it stands right now, through four weeks, Mark, the Capital City Savages own the number one offense in the, the entire D2, and the Lady Force own the number one defense in the entire D2. Yeah, that, I mean, that sounds like a um, pretty amazing matchup. Um, I don't think we're particularly surprised to be talking about uh, these two teams. I'm trying to bring up my standings here. What's going on here? Um, uh, Capital City was, um, you know, in the championship game last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've just kind of continued their, um, continued doing what they, what they do. They're undefeated now. They're 4-0. Um, you know, they put up 132 points, which is, you know, really head, heads and shoulders, um, above other teams in Division Two, certainly in the National Conference. Now, they have played an extra game, so they played four games. Most teams have played three games, but, um, you know, still there aren't too many teams out there, you know, averaging, you know, about 30, 30 points a game, you know, over 30 points a game. So, so kudos to them. They're looking, they're looking pretty good be in the mix come playoff time. And, Mark, the, the, the reason I bring them up and the reason we're talking D2 now because we're into the middle of the season. we got four weeks left. This, this gives us a real clear picture of who's going to stand out and arrive in, in Canton. And they would love n- nothing more to return to Canton, right, and, and redeem themselves. And they're going to get uh, – they get ready, what, uh, two weeks from today, June 3rd. So they're on a bye week this week and next week. So they got two weeks to rest and then they get Detroit Venom. That would be huge, Mark, to, for them to win against the Venom and maybe even close out and win against Columbus. That's right. Those are two, two really, really big games um, that could really help propel the Savages um, um, into the, the next level here. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, the Columbus Chaos is one of those teams that go to Canton, and I think they know that they have a pretty good chance of going, but they have to get past a team like Capital City um, to, to, to do it. And, of course, you know, Detroit, this, we're talking about 
you know, in-state rival, rivalry uh, between Capital City and Detroit. Uh, they played a hard-fought game last season as well. It was competitive. So I expect these next two games to be among the, some of the most exciting games in uh, D2 um, of, of the entire year, quite frankly. I agree with that. And then we look at late, uh, the Lady Force, Mark. Uh, the expectation is they run the table. They got one obstacle. Uh, Dallas, Elite Spar- uh, Dallas Elite Mustangs did, did for this past week, I believe it was, if my notes are correct, did beat Mile High, 22 to 8. So they're coming off that win. Right. Now they're, getting, they're going up against the, the Division Three champion, and they took care of Arlington. So I don't think they're afraid is my point, to, uh, to go up against a pro team this coming week. But uh, they oh, might no, defend their no, title. You know what I mean? That's right. That's right. I mean, they're, when you're the champion and you go into your next, the next season, all you're thinking about is getting better. And every game that you play in the regular season, obviously you want to win them and you want to position yourself uh, for a playoff run. But aside from that, you just want every game you play to make you better. And you, so you can see it in uh, Oklahoma City's schedule, all right? There really, you know, aren't any pushovers, especially here in the middle of the season. Uh, you know, they took on Arlington, um, you know, pro division team, and that Nebraska Pride, who was one of the, um, I think conference finalists in Division Two last year. Um, uh, they're taking on uh, Dallas Elite Mustangs, who are fresh off a win, as you mentioned, and they're a pro level team. Um, and then they've got Austin um, and the Oklahoma Rage, and each of these teams have uh, you know posted wins this season. So it, there really aren't any any pushovers, and they definitely. In, in playing, you know, two Division One teams, um, you know what they're pushing for. They're pushing to get better, um, to be more competitive. And they're definitely looking like the top dog in the American Conference for Division Two. And I, I look at the schedule, Mark, and I, I can tell right now that they are ready to elevate themselves, you know, to another level. But this is... What they were, this is how they were last year, and this is the continuation of last year. They're putting up almost 30 points a game, right? And they're shutting down teams to an average of about seven points or less. So if they get mm-hmm. the win against Dallas, I think Massey will favor them very well in Division Two because they did beat Arlington, and you beat Dallas, that should catapult you right there into the playoffs. So now they're, they're almost another Nevada. They're going to go, you know, obviously to – try to repeat what Nevada did, which is to get a D2 championship. Yeah, that's right. And um, it'll be very interesting to see. I mean, the, as it is, as it stands right now, the Massey ratings, you know, have Oklahoma ranked eighth overall in the entire women's football alliance. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's above like a number of division one teams. And they're obviously tops in division two. So, so you're right, um, and and we see you know we see these teams in the WFA every year that you know the rankings will 
they they indicate to to you that a team is playing kind of above their their station, if you will. And and this year Oklahoma City is one of those teams. Um, also, you know, uh, the competitors in the East that we talked about as well, Columbus and, and Capital City and like Atlanta also still in the mix there. These are teams that are definitely the tops of Division Two, um, and in some instances, you know, keeping up with Division One teams. The interesting part for me this year, Mark, we would always talk about Baltimore, New York, right? Baltimore, New yep. York. This year, it's literally Oklahoma, Capital City, and we got to throw in Atlanta in terms of the Atlanta Rage into the mix as well. So it's just, it's kind of like a, you know, three top teams just surpass what we would normally consider, you know, some top level D2 teams. And this is yep. no surprise. I think Capital City, like you said, doesn't surprise us because they really, they really yeah. want to get, get here to another level. And Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma wants to be here at another level as well. So those are the two front runners right now, as we see in Division Two, And they've had, you know, they're in the, in the top uh, stat category uh, so far. And if I, I think it was four weeks in, let me, let me write it down here. Yeah, so four weeks in, uh, this past week, they took care of business, uh, edging Grand Rapids 16-10. Uh, to 10. And then you had, uh, I think, uh, Oklahoma uh, Lady Force, I think, were off this week. Uh, but overall, offensively, uh, statistics through four weeks. Oh, oh by the way, Mark, uh, Karen Mulligan is back in New York, I guess because Ayala was, was injured. So uh, no surprise oh. there that she's at the top of the passing ratings, 320 sure. through four weeks. Uh, she's at a 102.8. And then you got Kia, uh, Kia Love of the Outlaws. Shout out to her. Uh, she's at 123.9. Kyla Wilson right, from job. the Savages. Uh, she's at, you know, not as efficiency as a mulligan or a love. And then also rushing, top, uh, four, rushing for the WD2 uh, top 25, uh, Brittany Starazinic uh, from the Savages. Uh, Brittany Wilson from the Rage. Uh, Olivia Cotton from the Rage plus Brianna Clemens and Desiree Rodriguez from the uh, Outlaws. So it's good to see Houston right there. And uh, if nobody's made a note of it, but Houston is probably one of the oldest teams next to Minnesota, right, in terms of franchise right. establishment in terms of women's tackle football. That's right. Absolutely right, 100%. Um, yeah, congratulations. congratulations to all these ladies for putting up the, the good numbers. And – you know, you mentioned New York. You know, I think New York has been the kind of presumptive favorite in, in Division Two for a couple years, and, and and it hasn't happened for them. And this year, maybe this is their chance to kind of fly under the radar, right? They're still undefeated. Mm-hmm. They're three and zero. I don't think they've had any sort of eye popping victories, but you know, win is a win. Um, as you mentioned. A, Mulligan's suiting up again. Um, they have a very capable quarterback, um, even with their starter out. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe this is their chance to kind of fly under the radar um, and, you know, let people look at the other teams 
Um, and while they will just quietly, you know, hone their hone their weapons, getting ready for the playoffs. What do you think, Oscar? That's where I'm at. I mean, I think this is going to be an interesting race, right? Because you got Atlanta Rays really hot. You got uh, Oklahoma a really really good. You got Capital City Savages. So after four weeks, this is where we get into you know our little excitement, right? Uh, week five is when we get into the D2 mix. And then start looking at Massey in terms of what Massey's going to, you know, uh, uh, hope somebody gets in for Massey at this point. Um, Mark, D3 through four weeks, uh, we have the D3 schedules here. Let's go through this here. Let's find out here um, through four weeks here. So I have uh, – where's my view here? Here it is. Okay, cool. So four weeks. Let's go to four weeks out. And we'll start talking about D3 here in a second. But uh, so – so far, uh, we have, uh, in terms of the top passing team, is the Havoc. Uh, and then you've got Snow Leopards, the Panthers, the Anarchy. Uh, no surprise there for the Anarchy. They've just been doing so good this season as well. But in terms of the D3 mix, uh, I'd like to go to the standings here. Let me see if I get the standings going here. Let's see here. Standings for D3. Give me a second here. I want to be able to break it down because we need to talk about it now because it, we're talking like four weeks in already. And and we right. usually go wait till what, week seven or weeks, you know, week six to talk about it. But right. It's good yeah. to take a peek. You know, there are a few undefeated teams still. Uh, you got the New York knockout. We talked a little bit earlier, like a few shows back, just because mm-hmm. they're putting up big numbers. Um, mm-hmm. Um, so they look to be the top dog in, in the, the Northeastern division. Uh, May Mayhem did play them very tough. So, um, so, uh, let's, let's not rule them out. As you said, uh, Harrisburg has, um, uh, has some, something going on. So, um, in the Southeast, though. I can't pull up D3 uh, overall stats. Uh, let me see if I can go to Hostess right now. Oh, here we are. Okay, so we got them. Okay, so top team, uh, I guess we shouldn't be surprised that the Palm Beach Coyotes are at the top. They were the WTFL champions for like two, two back-to-back seasons, right, if I'm correct, in the WTFL. Were, that's correct. Yep. So we're not surprised that they're doing so well here because, you know, they're championship type of caliber in another league. So they come into this league. Anarchy number two so far in terms of the team scoring. You have New York, as you just mentioned. We also have the Panthers. Uh, I want to say, what, what is the Panthers? Is that Virginia? Virginia Panthers? Virginia, That's yeah. Number Virginia. Four. And then New Mexico, Benitas. Uh, and then the return of the main mayhem as well. So those are the, the top four teams or top five teams in WF, uh, Division Three. really not, not surprising, I guess. Maybe Virginia, right, is the surprise there. Uh, but right. the other the other teams, I'm not shocked that Palm Beach is doing so well because from their you know their previous league success, uh, this would be basically maybe they should be in D2 maybe at this point instead of D3. Well, we'll see how it goes. It's still midseason. Um, they are definitely putting up a very very nice effort. I think um, that's great for a new team entering the WFA. Um, usually a team doesn't enter that way, especially their Division Three team. 
So uh, I'm not really sure. I, I don't know much about them. I don't know what kind of what roster size they have, but they're winning the games. So, so um, there's that. Um, as you mentioned, you know, Orlando just continues to um, uh, excel um, with uh, Shandis Hunter swinging the ball down there. Um, and so Orlando and Palm Beach are going to face each other um, twice uh, consecutively. So uh, not two weeks in a row. Um, they'll face off this week, and then after a bye week, they'll face each other again. So I think that I think those two games are really going to tell us um, if uh, Palm Beach is, um, you know, is really a contender. Uh, for Division Three, um, you know, I'm not saying that they've had a light schedule um, up to this point, but they've had a light schedule up to this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, when, this is, yeah, they're they're this is going to be their most grueling matchups. To your point, right? Against back to back matchup against Orlando, so this will be their most yeah. grueling matchup. Uh, but it would be impressive if they get somehow arrive in Canton after winning two championships in a previous league, right? So still a, a oh, no great doubt. conference. No, no doubt. It'll be quite an accomplishment. Um, and, I mean, even just, you know, making it into the playoffs would be a, a great accomplishment. So, um, you know, let's not sweep that one under the rug. But, um, yeah, we'll see. I, a lot of, like, new teams have been very impressive. Um, new Mexico, now it, Mm-hmm. You know, I expect that that the the Benitas, you know, have a lot of uh, football players from uh, La Muerta and um, some of the other uh, teams around. So I expect that they have some experienced players. Um, so maybe I shouldn't be so surprised that they're um, three and one and, and winning games. Uh, but they definitely look like a competitor. Um, you know they they uh, you know even beat the Sun City um, uh, Stealth, who are a Division Two team, um, and the Benitas will face Mile High and Sun City again. So you know pretty tough, pretty tough competition um, in this schedule. So so that looks really good for them. And um, the other kind of surprise I think has been Virginia who wasn't really on my radar at all at the beginning of the season, but they're now 3-0, and um, uh, presumably playing pretty well. You know, they beat uh, uh, Music City, who've been around for a while. So, um, you know, they, they beat Richmond as well. Two teams, uh, organizationally, been around for a while, have fielded pretty good teams from time to time. And... Um, you know, this Virginia team has really, really just flattened those two teams. So, um, uh, great job to the Virginia Panthers. Um, they're making a, you know, making a statement here, and um, we're looking, uh, looking for more from them. It's gonna be a great race for D three because, like I said, there's a lot of new teams in the mix. More excitement. We got the traditional favorites, which is the Anarchy. And there are no strangers to arriving in Canton and into a championship format as well. So really, really interesting to see that. So there you are. You get the lowdown for D3, lowdown for D2. We'll be talking about them 
uh, going forward every every week after that uh, until we get to the final week of the season. And then we're obviously going to look at the Masseys as to who gets in and who doesn't get in. So, uh, so don't forget, subscribe to our podcast, share it, over 400 episodes. Check out interviews just like we did with Jasmine Ballard. On top of that, Hall of Famer Insights, uh, Mackenzie Brooks as well, Nate Ward, as well as uh, Holly Custis uh, and myself and uh, Mark Simone as well. So, Mark, interesting weekend for both leagues. Get to see the games of the week this this coming week. We got Alabama, Tampa Bay, uh, St. Louis, Minnesota. Get some key matchups in the WNFC, as we said, Denver, Utah, San Diego, Oregon, Las Vegas, Los Angeles. So should be interesting matchups. I got my butter and my popcorn ready. Got the Slurpee going, uh, courtesy of 7-Eleven. And uh, we should have a good, a good, a good uh, weekend of uh, women's tackle football. Oh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, be following my team in D.C. as well. I'll, I'll be home. I won't be traveling with them, but um, that's definitely uh, – I'll be getting the updates from that game. So definitely a great um, slate of games this weekend. So I appreciate everybody going to Sprecher and Apple and giving us a five-star review. Please uh, help us out with that. Bring attention more to women's tackle football in terms of a sport in both leagues. Uh, but you can always, uh, like I said, replay our podcast over 400 episodes previously. So you can go right there to Sprecher link or you can go to the Apple link. Make sure you leave a five-star review if you like our content. So, uh, Mark, that's it. Let's get ready. Let's get rolling. It is week eight in the WNFC. Who gets in? Who gets out? Who will the WFRC uh, you know, let in at this point. So it's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm all giddy now. Yeah, me too. It's always great to get pumped up in the middle of the week and then, you know, have to wait four days. <laughs> but Seriously. That's the life we chose. It's the life we chose. All right, guys. So make sure you get your popcorn ready. W score, WNFCfootball.com and be there. And we'll be watching with you guys. So, so don't forget to join us on episode 448 next week as we break it down. Have a great night, everybody. Bye, Mark. Bye, Oscar.